Catch one of us in the wreckage, brother. Have we started the fire? Yes. The fire rises. Merry Christmas, citizens of Gotham, and welcome to The Fire Rises, a Batman podcast focusing on all things The Dark Knight and his world. If you'd like to connect with the show, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at TFRBatPod. And if you have thoughts, questions, comments, or even suggestions for future episodes of the show, you can reach us by email at TFRBatPod at gmail.com. My name is Eric Carter, and I am your host, and I am joined once again, and as always, by my co-host, Mr. Joseph Fornerado. Joe, welcome to Christmas week, my friend. It is upon us. How are you? I'm good, Eric. Merry Christmas. Um, Happy holidays, everybody. Uh, Yeah, we are currently one week from Christmas when we're recording this, which is... uh, Seven days as, as, as we're recording. Yep. And um, it is also uh, the first night of Hanukkah, so happy Hanukkah, everybody. We uh, we have some Jewish members of our family, so we we always uh, celebrate Hanukkah with those <laughs> with uh, with that part of the family, which is fun. We have like at Christmas celebration, we have like a menorah, and they let them do the candles and stuff. So it's fun to have all that um, all that be part of the holidays for us. So uh, so yeah, happy holidays to everybody. This is it's it creeps up on us every year, doesn't it? It comes so quick. I can't believe we're already a week away. And yeah, this is this is the best week of the year. This is so much fun to to get into when it's really coming up. Because once it gets here, man, I I, I think I've said this before. It's kind of once it gets here, it's like oh man, like it's it's over. So I enjoy the week leading up to it probably more than uh, than actual Christmas Day, to be honest with you. Oh, the the week of Christmas is the best week of the year. Yeah. I mean, it's so fun. And uh, here in Colorado, we are going to have probably a very white Christmas. Um, you probably in have fact, a white Christmas every year. In it's probably actually last year was um, because we've been here for this will be our third Christmas here. We've had one. So we're one for two okay. right now. So this year may make it two for three. We'll see. Um, but it's supposed to get stupid cold later this week so so we we shall see if there's any precipitation at all towards the end of the week we're gonna have a white christmas um so but funnily enough um i heard from my mom who is back in north carolina that they may very well have a have a white christmas this year which if they do it'll be the first time in 30 years that they've had a white christmas from my neck of the woods so. Well, I assume I assume they have the same storm front that might be hitting us next week in New Jersey. And in typical New Jersey fashion, it's like right on the border of freezing or not. So we could either get a ton of rain or a ton of snow. It could go either way. And normally what happens is we get the rain and then two days later, it's freezing cold. That's mm. usually what happens. We Unfortunately, it always is a little warmer when we get the precipitation. So I'm hoping for snow, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, I think this is Thursday. Thursday, we have a high of zero here. Oh, wow. Yeah, Thursday, (laughs) it could go go either way here on Thursday night, whether we get rain or snow. So hopefully it's snow, and I just want a a few inches or just a little coating just to get that white Christmas, just that feeling for the holidays. I mean, I... Nothing worse than being in New Jersey and it's like 60 degrees on Christmas so or rain. So I'm looking forward to the possibility of it, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, for sure. But I, I'm sure uh, the people who are listening did not tune in to hear us talk about the weather 
Uh, you, you're here to hear us talk about Batman and Batman at Christmas time, which is what this episode is all about. Um, or Batman during the holidays, if, if you don't celebrate Christmas. But today is our Christmas special or our holiday special. And as promised, we're going to talk a little Batman Returns today. And we're also going to talk a little TFR holiday giveaway because this is the end. This is the, the big moment. We're going to announce our winners of the TFR holiday giveaway. That's coming after our Batman Returns discussion. So stay tuned. But yeah, it's this year. You know, everybody celebrated Batman Returns back in June because this is the 30th anniversary. And we decided since everybody else was doing it in June, we'd push it back since it is definitively. And there's no arguments about this. We won't hear it. It is a Christmas movie. We decided to celebrate it during Christmas time. So here we are to celebrate 30 years of one of the best Christmas movies out there, (laughs) tongue in cheek, Batman Returns. Okay, Joe. So first of all, can you believe? And I, I we've we've had this exact same statement several times this year. But can you believe that Batman Returns is thirty years old? It just—it's another reminder of how old we're getting when when movies from our childhood are having these milestone anniversaries, isn't it? It's 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 a little sad, but it's it's kind of crazy when you think about when I started watching this every year for Christmas, the, the number of views of this movie just keeps creeping up on me. And mm-hmm. I have some interesting stories of my relationship with this movie, but the fact that it's a Christmas movie and I, I now watch it every year, it's become really one of my favorite Batman movies because I know it so well at this point. And it's, it's a guaranteed at least one year, um, one viewing a year for me. And the same for me. But here's an interesting question for you, Joe. If Batman Returns was not a Christmas movie, would you watch it every year? Oh, that is fascinating to think about. No, I probably wouldn't. <laughs> That's almost an easy answer. Is No, I, I don't think I would. But you man, know- that... I love... I, okay, so... I think that's why I love the fact it is a Christmas movie. It's an excuse to watch this movie every year. And it is it is almost like beat me over the head to make me love this movie. No, you're absolutely right. Because let's be frank about this. Batman Returns is a weird-ass movie. It's even I a mean, weird, weirder-ass Christmas movie. <laughs> for sure, yeah. I mean, which, if you if you look at who directed it, I mean, Tim Burton, of course it's weird. And Tim Burton and Christmas are synonymous with weird. I mean, even though he didn't direct it, his name is all over A Nightmare Before Christmas. And you can Mm -hmm. definitely tell, I mean, his influence is there with that movie. But that's a weird-ass Christmas movie. But it's also one that's beloved. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's such a strange strange thing that, you know, this, this is the most Tim Burton of the two Tim Burton Batman movies. Um, at the time that it came out, it was the most divisive, 
I would say. And yeah, it's just really strange. But it, but like you said, this movie kind of makes you love it, especially because it is part of you know Cheerathon. We watch it every year, and it's just become such a tradition tradition to watch this movie that it's 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 beloved at this point. And I do hear the arguments all the time. It's kind of like Die Hard over whether or not this movie is a Christmas movie. I said it's definitively a Christmas movie. I think you'd think the same thing, right, Joe? I honestly think that argument of any movie is just a dumb argument because I think if you want to watch it at Christmas, watch it at Christmas. I, like, I don't... If I wanted to be nitpicky and say what's a Christmas movie, to me it always was, if I won't watch it in May, then it's a Christmas movie. But... I would probably watch Batman Returns in May just because it's a Batman movie. Would I watch Die Hard in May? Yeah, probably, like because it's an action movie. But mm-hmm. I don't care whether you consider it a Christmas movie or not. If you watch it at Christmas, it's a Christmas movie. Who cares? Why Why waste energy fighting someone on whether something is a Christmas movie or not? If they say the word Christmas in it, if there's a Christmas tree in the background, who cares? Call it a Christmas movie. To me, any reason to watch a movie at Christmas time is just fun, so who cares? Well, and... Here's the thing with that. So we all watch Shazam around Christmas time as well, right? Mm-hmm. I love that the DC Universe gave us a, uh, a a superhero movie set at Christmas time because we, now we have an excuse to watch it every year yep. around the holidays. But and I will say... a Christmas movie than this. I was going to say the same thing. That's exactly what I was about to say. Like, there are moments in Shazam when I get, like, towards the end where, they're, where they have the battle in the Christmas uh, little carnival or whatever it is. Which I'm so jealous of, yes. Like, a Christmas yeah. carnival. Like, we don't get those around here. <laughs> no, we don't either. But that, that's what I'm saying. Every time I see that, it's like it snaps me back into, oh, that's right. This takes place at Christmas. Because there's a big chunk in the middle of the movie where you kind of forget that it's set at Christmas. But Batman Returns is kind of, I mean, it's scattered throughout the movie. I mean, you know, there's there's the whole department store thing with Shrek's department store, which is very on brand for Christmas. Yeah. Um, you get the conversation between Selena and Bruce talking about Christmas time and going to the Christmas party and all this stuff. So, I mean, there's it's scattered throughout this movie that you, you never forget it's Christmas time. And you get the um, Ninja Turtles cameo at the the department store from uh, perfect timing from 1992 with the Ninja Turtles craze. I love that that's in here. That's very true. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I agree with you. I do think this is almost more of a Christmas movie than Shazam is, but it almost seems like nobody fights you when you when you say you're watching Shazam at Christmas time, which is odd. It's just such an interesting yeah, I mean, dynamic. I don't think anyone like again, I. I don't know. I think it's a dumb argument. If you want to watch something at Christmas, if there's Christmas trees in the movie, if it takes place... I mean, this takes place, like, fully at Christmas. So, I don't know. There's there's Christmas music in it, like... Well, I'll say this. I mean, we watched uh, Rise of the Guardians the other night, and I love Rise of the Guardians. Um, it, we watch it because it has Santa in it, but it's it takes place at Easter. So... <laughs> yeah. So, you know... Um, Neither here nor there, but anyway, let's get let's get into our discussion. We're not going to do a review or anything like that. We're just celebrating thirty years of this beloved Batman movie that takes place at Christmas. So we're just going to have an open conversation about it. So Joe, I kind of want to know, like, just to start out, 
get the negatives out of the way, like what are some of the nitpicks, some of the not so great moments of this movie for you? It's funny when I was a kid, I really didn't like this movie. It's really, yeah. Like when I was a kid, this was probably my least favorite Batman movie of the four because it was just weird. And as a kid, I wasn't crazy about Penguin and Catwoman as the villains. Because as a kid, that's what they were. They were the villains. Bat- Penguin, like, I didn't get the whole Catwoman thing when I was a kid. To me, she was just a villain. I mean, when I was, when this came out, I was, uh, what was I, six, I was nine? Mm-hmm. No, I'm sorry, God, I was, um, <laughs> I was six. So, it's not a kid's movie, you know, and. And after 89, which was just such a, a cool superhero film, this was just different. So, and then Batman Forever came out, and I was one of the kids that, like, I loved the the change to Batman Forever. Mm. But as an adult, as I've gotten older, I've grown to just... And, but I will say, even with that being the nitpicks or just not being my thing, as a kid, I loved the look of Batman in this movie. I loved the toys that came with this movie. Like, the, the Batmobile... The Batwing, the the Bat Ski Boat, um, and I love the Batsuit. I know a lot of people will say they prefer the '89 Batsuit look, as far as like the armor, and some people don't even mind the logo. To me, I've always loved this suit. There's something about this suit that I absolutely loved. I remember always reading the graphic novel adaptation of this because I loved the cover with the suit and him running Mm -hmm. in the snow. And I just love the look of Batman in this film. Always have. That's always been my favorite thing about this movie is the look of Batman and, and Gotham city at Christmas was always cool. Well, you know, I agree with you on the suit. I always thought this suit looked better. Um, now don't, don't get me wrong. I like the 89 suit, but you can tell that they made a a lot of improvements from 89 to returns. Mm -hmm. The cowl, especially the cowl is a lot more sleek and, you know, streamlined. It just looks great on Keaton. And I don't know. I, I just cuts a little bit of a better silhouette to me. I just think it's a really, really good looking suit. Yeah. Um, and you can definitely, Oh, what did you say? Well, I'm sorry because you asked me for my nitpicks, and it's funny because like I don't have a lot of nitpicks as an adult with this movie. Yeah, um, I'm gonna. So I have to kind of go back to what I thought of it as a kid, which then turned into what I loved about the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's hard because as a kid, you don't nitpick things. You just say, "Ah, oh, that's a weird movie. I don't watch it." You know what I mean? Like, I, it's hard for me to have that perspective now. Well, yeah. Well, and if you listen to our um, our last episode, our Christmas Batman memories episode. Um, I got this movie in ninety Christmas in ninety five, um, so I was three years old when this movie came out. And you watched had, forever prior to this. Watched forever prior to this. I didn't watch this one until Christmas of ninety five. I got it when I was six. Um, at six years old, man, I loved this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, forever, I mean, at the time, you know, forever was the new big thing. So that was like nothing could top that at the mm-hmm. time, but. I liked this one better than 89 as a little kid. Okay. And I think it's because I watched this movie Christmas day. 
So it was oh. like I was in I was in the Christmas yes. mood. I put in this, I put in 89. 89 was fun. Then I put this one in. It's Christmas Day. I'm watching it. It's Christmas. So it's like it, it just it just hit differently, yes. I guess. And I was fascinated by Danny DeVito as the penguin. Well, I didn't know he was Danny DeVito at the time. I just knew he was a penguin. I was fascinated by the penguin. And if you'd have told me at the time, like kids were terrified of his, of like the, the weirdness and the black goop coming out of his mouth. Cause obviously I had no access to see the, like the, 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 the little inter the interview with the movie critic kid that makes the rounds every year that said it terrified him or whatever. Oh <laughs> yeah. I never knew about any of that. I had no clue about any of that. I just, I didn't, you know, as a kid, you don't know that things are, are controversial or anything like that, especially when it's a superhero. So yeah, I mean, I saw this Christmas of 95. I loved it. I thought it was awesome. And again, for a very long time, I preferred this movie over 89. So my nitpicks are actually, actually come more as an adult, as I look back on the film and see things that, you know, as a kid that I didn't see. Uh, namely my biggest nitpick is Max Shrek. Like, I just think I've grown to appreciate him. Um, you know, just for, for lack of a better term, just for what he is, but I can see why people take issue with the fact that why didn't they just use, um, Harvey Dent? You know, why didn't they, why did they feel, why did Tim Burton feel the need to make up this brand new unknown character, Max Shrek? So, and that is, that is a big complaint that goes around. It's one that I think is very fair because ultimately at the end of the day, there's no need to make him up because you have a character. I mean, you could have put Harvey Dent in this movie. So I, I get that point and I, it sucks that we never got Billy D. Williams. On the other hand though, I mean, Christopher Walken just chews the scenery in this movie. He's having a blast. And it's hard not to have fun along with him, if that makes any sense. Well, I think the interesting thing is my argument for changing up the character would be, well, if you make this character Harvey Dent, you can't take as many liberties mm. because he's a character from the comics. But to that extent... Look what he did with the Penguin. He took a lot of liberties with the Penguin. So he could have just as easily taken those same liberties with Harvey Dent, made the exact same character, but he wouldn't have been a businessman. So there are things you could... It's it's tough. I think there are arguments against why he's not Harvey Dent. Because to me, he's not Harvey Dent in this. Could you have made him Harvey Dent? Sure, but he's he's not really a politician in this. He's a businessman. So... He's using Oswald for the political gain. So, mm -hmm. yes, the script would be different if it was Harvey Dent. It's not um, a copy and paste thing. I understand that that's become this like big complaint with this film. But now that I'm thinking about it, I don't mind the switch. I think you could have had just as easily had Harvey Dent be the politician in the beginning instead of it be the mayor that mm -hmm. Shrek is trying to win over or at least get some... I mean, I guess he's trying to bribe him to, to pass things through and the guy wouldn't let him. That could have been Harvey Dent instead of being the mayor. I think that could have made sense. But I don't think you needed to have Shrek be Harvey Dent. I think it's fine with him being a new character. 
Um, I think missing out on Billy D. Williams is definitely an issue. But it's hard well, because the movie's been this way for years, and I've just come to accept it. I don't judge this movie on what it isn't anymore. It's just, like you said, I, I've just come to accept him for who he is. I don't well, think I, about it anymore. I think the major complaint is, I mean, you look at the lineup. This movie essentially has three villains. The movie has Catwoman, the, uh, Penguin, and Max Shrek as the villains. And when you look at it from, you know, a thousand mile view, you're like, okay, one of these things just doesn't belong here. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you got penguin Catwoman, iconic Batman villains. And then your third big bad villain is Max Shrek. Yeah. I think that's, that's what kind of throws the equilibrium off a little bit. Having said well, that again, also added Harvey Dent as one of those villains. Do you turn him into Two-Face? Do you leave him as Harvey Dent? Then they could have argued it was packed too much. So again, I I don't have an issue with it. I really don't. Mm. Um, you know, it's one of those things where hindsight might be twenty twenty here. I just, I don't have an issue with that. To me, it's Tim Burton making a movie he wants to make. He took liberties already with the Penguin. I guess at the time he took liberties with Catwoman, but they're not liberties that are as extreme as what he did with the Penguin. So Mm -hmm. if you add in another, you know, classic villain like Harvey Dent, it becomes a little too packed with three main villains that are all three deserve their, their limelight. I, I think it's smart to, to have a a new character to just kind of be able to be the, um, oh, what's the stupid word that they use, um, for, uh, oh crap! I'm drawing a blank here. Um, just a cliche like move the plot forward thing. Um, oh, they call like a MacGuffin. A MacGuffin, yes. Like he's basically the MacGuffin of the film. It's to move all the pieces into place. Yeah. Well, and if you if you really look at Max Shrek, he is a Tim Burton character. Oh yeah. I mean, he's got the wild hair, he's got the sunken looking eyes, he's, you know, he's pale, he's a Tim Burton character, through and through. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just interesting, it's just interesting that that, that was the decision that was made. Uh, another complaint, you know, we gotta, we have to address it. Um, Batman's kind of murder happy in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> So it's so interesting now that people get so up in arms about Batman killing. And if you go back and look at this movie, it's like, woof, <laughs> you know, but it was never a complaint. It's only been used recently to justify the complaints that Batman shouldn't kill now, where it's like, mm-hmm. he's always killed in these movies. Like nobody ever questioned it back then. It was just kind of circumstance. Yeah. I mean, Batman's killed on film since 1989. Yeah. I mean, I don't think Adam West Batman ever did. Uh, you could you could be more the authority on that than I can. But yeah, I mean, ever since '89, Batman's been killing in movies. So well, you could you could argue that the '66 uh, Adam West Batman killed those guys that um, were disintegrated in the Batcave because of. Uh, oh yeah, he he didn't intentionally do it, but they did die, and he was the last one to hit them. So. <laughs> It's true. Uh, so yeah, Batman's been killing on film since 1966. You heard it from Joe Fornerado. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just with this movie, nobody, nobody cared. Like it was just 
part of the film. It was part of good guys versus bad guys. Bad guys die sometimes. It is what it is. But I think it is a valid complaint when people complain about, you know, like um, newer versions of the character. When people get all up in arms about a newer version, you know, towing that line. And then you look back. I mean, especially the scene where uh, Batman straps the bomb to the to the strong man and pushes and him smiles. down in that cellar yeah. and smiles and it, it, he clearly dies. Um, <laughs> well, Zack Snyder there. No, he's fine. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's, uh, I can see where you would go back and say, okay, well, why are you mad at this, but not mad at this? I can see it makes sense. But anyway, yeah, I mean, outside of that, I don't have a whole lot of complaints about this movie. So let's talk about stuff that we absolutely love. So Joe, kick it off. What is it? just, if, if you could pick one thing that's like your favorite part of this movie, what would it be? My favorite part of this movie. I mean, is it cliche to say Batman? Like just the look, the feel to me, Batman, I, I, you know, like, like we just had this whole conversation about Batman killing this and that. I just, for whatever reason, I've always loved Batman in this movie. The suit to me was always just beautiful. This is my Batman from 1992. Like this was, you know, the toys, the, the gadgets. To me, this was just such a fun version of Batman for back then. And... I, I hate to say the caveat of back then, but it was like, I, I think just that symbol is gorgeous. Um, I loved the look of the suit. The, you know, you, you still get the same Batmobile, but you get added little, you know, differences to it. The toy that, you know, turned into the Bat missile that all goes hand in hand to me with this movie. And that is what I love about this movie is Batman. Like I know, one of the nitpicks that people have is that Batman isn't in it very much. And I never really thought about it until the other night when I was watching it. I'm like, wow, like I'm 30 minutes into this movie. Bruce Wayne has not been on screen yet. We get the first action scene of Batman. And then there's no Bruce Wayne until 30 minutes into the film, other than the first shot of him seeing the bat signal, which is another gorgeous shot that makes no sense, but I don't care. It's gorgeous. Mm. Um, But yeah, my favorite part of this movie is batman like it's so stupid but we watch these movies for batman and batman is my favorite part i have no issues with catwoman or penguin now as an adult because i i've just grown to love this movie but still i i just i had toys for this figure for this batman with the bat suit i had i had this costume for halloween now that i'm thinking about it this was the bat suit that i wore for halloween in either 92 or 93 Mm-hmm. Um, I loved everything about this. Uh, you know the look of Batman in this film. And let me let me ask you this, Joe. You're you're the uh, you're more the hot toys aficionado uh, than I am. I'm very new to this. Have they ever done a Batman Returns figure? It's funny you ask. I have it. Yes, they have. See, if they would do a re-release. Like if I had a choice between the '89 Hot Toy and and the Returns Hot Toy, I would yeah. get the Returns one. So it's funny they did a Hot Toys version of Batman '89, and they did a Hot Toys version of the Joker for Batman '89. 
but they never did Penguin or Catwoman, but they did the return suit. And the return suit, so there were two options. Now that this is a tangent, there were two options. They actually had a two-pack, which was Batman and a Bruce Wayne in a tux. Hmm. I just got the Batman because I love the Batsuit. I just wanted the Batsuit. Um, I never, I missed out on the Batman 89 one because I kind of hesitated whether I wanted it or not. I do wish I got the Joker cause I love Jack Nicholson's Joker, but then it's like, do I get the 89 Joker and the return suit? Because I prefer the return suit. And do I need two Michael Keaton figures? So this is the problems you have when these figures are expensive as hell. And I'm, you know, maybe a little animal retentive. <laughs> but, yeah. So I, I unfortunately missed out on the 89 figures, but I love the return suit. I, I love, and the base has the the beautiful gray bat logo, like with the snowy look to it, which I always thought it was really cool. But yeah, I again, I, I do have a real soft spot for this suit. So yes, they did make a Hot Toys for it. I do own it. Um, I'll send you a picture of it. I, I didn't realize I never sent it to you. Uh, well, yeah, I, I'm... I'm actually looking at it now and it is gorgeous. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a beautiful. great, it's a great figure. Um, you cannot get one very cheap, uh, now. So hold on to that one, Joe. It's, uh, yeah. it's it sells for a lot. Um, but yeah, if they Ironically, ever do a release, I'll jump all over that. I have it next to my Ezra Miller flash <laughs> statue because I'm like, oh. Oh, they're going to be together in the film. <laughs> oh, look so at that's that. what I, I think of when I display these things. It's like, Oh, I'm going to put it next to flash and, Cause I'm looking forward to seeing them together on screen. Um, but so, so we were talking about the favorite, favorite moments. And before I forget for my thought runs out, I mean, part of the move, part of my favorite part of the movie is his suit. Cause I, I think it's the best Keaton looked as Batman. Uh, that suit mm-hmm. just looks fantastic, but also it's a, it's a small moment, but it really sets a mood. And Andy DiGenova will love this. My favorite part of the movie is Batman just creeping through Gotham City in the snow in the Batmobile. Mm-hmm. That just, I mean, that makes it feel... Wintertime in Gotham, there's something magical about it. Like, it seems like it kind of drives the crime, you know, down because it's so cold. So... It, it gives a perfect moment for Batman's focused on this one thing. And he's just driving around in this beautiful Batmobile, the best Batmobile that's ever been on film. And it's just driving through this slush really slowly. And it just, I don't know, like there's no Christmas lights or anything in the scene, but it screams Christmas to me. And I love it. It, So funny enough, I actually, I know for a fact that that scene was filmed in Burbank. At the WB lot. Now, I I know everyone always talks about how this film does feel like it's on a set. It's smaller than the 89. Now, 89 was filmed in London, or what is it, Pinewood Studios in, in England? Mm-hmm. Is that the name of the studio? I, I don't want to get that wrong, but I know that was filmed over in... Yeah, it's, a, it's the James Bond studio. So, this one, I don't know if the whole film was filmed in L.A., where they, they built the sets there or not. But I know for a fact that scene was because I went there and saw that particular spot when I was doing the WB tour. And they do point that out, which was right. really cool to see like where that is. And I also got to point out while I'm thinking of that, the, the birth certificate for the Penguin in this film is actually Danny DeVito's birthplace. Really? That's a little Easter egg. That they, It's not his actual birth certificate, but it is his 
birthplace, which is New Jersey. I want to say he was born in Asbury Park, New Jersey. I'm trying to remember now. Um, because again, I don't want to get that wrong, but I know he's a, a native of New Jersey. And um, I want to say the births are, oh no, I'm sorry, it was Neptune, not Asbury. It was Neptune, New Jersey. And the birth certificate, because I took a picture of it when I was there, because it was on display, they used his hometown for the actual birth certificate, which I thought was really cool. Huh, that is neat. And uh, yeah, you're right. Um, the entire thing was shot on seven or eight sets um, in Burbank. Okay. So yeah, um, seven or eight sound stages, excuse me. So probably more sets than that, but Mm -hmm. seven or eight sound stages. Uh, Here's an interesting fact, and you're going to have to take this with a grain of salt because it is on uh, Wikipedia. But it says that Burton wanted to film in the United States with American actors because he believed that Batman, and that's Batman 89, suffered from a British subtext. Hmm, that's weird. Isn't it? Like I never, uh, that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's a random thing. And I've never heard that before. Yeah. But it, I mean, it also says, which is one thing that I have always heard. And I think is just really cool because obviously it sets the mood for the movie. Since you're, since you're making a winter time, you know, Christmas time movie. Uh, th- apparently the sets were kept extremely cold because they had actual live, you know, emperor penguins mm-hmm. on the set. So they had to keep it cold for that, which is so cool because as an actor, it, that's got to put you in in the the frame of mind that you're shooting a a Christmas time movie. Well, and ironically, the scene you're talking about with the Batmobile, that's an outdoor set. So that so they had to bring in fake snow, right? Yes, that's outdoors because that's why that's still there in Burbank. Is it's a it's a constant place. It's just like a. You know, it's a permanent, it's a permanent set. It's a, it's a permanent set. Yeah. It's still there all the time. Yeah. Which is, I mean, it's really cool. Different than it was. I don't remember exactly how it was, but I'm sure, I mean, they change things up in there all the time, but that spot is there. So it's not like, I know that wasn't on a particular set that was built for the film. I mean, kudos to that production team though, because that snow looks real. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what the method was in making that snow, but it's great. So yeah, Joe, I, um, oh, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, like that's that's one of the the best things about this movie is Gotham in the snow is beautiful. Gotham at Christmas time, we don't get enough of it. It's a shame that we've only gotten it one time in uh-huh. this movie, as far as live action. We've seen Gotham in the snow in The Dark Knight Rises, but it wasn't Christmas time. But there's just any chance to see Gotham at Christmas is is just awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Um, have you ever uh, have you ever thought about have you do you have any issues with like the finale the way this film wraps up? Because I've you know I've heard a lot of the, the one of the other com- small complaints I've heard is that you know Tim Burton had two cracks at it and he killed his villains both times. So I'm curious what what your thoughts on that are. Well, I mean, that's kind of just what you did back then. It is a it's a mark of the times, yeah. Yeah, like that was that was pretty common. There was no like I again I never really questioned it because it was just kind of how it was. Um and Catwoman's not dead. So That's true. 
I mean, I mean, nobody cares about Max Shrek dying. She lost so, one of her lives. But. Yeah. <laughs> so you get Max Shrek dying, which there's another argument for why you don't make that Harvey Dent because you don't want him to die in this film. Well, I mean, they killed him. They killed him in the next one. So, but he became two face. Does he become two face in this film? If that's Harvey Dent. So like, I, that's why, again, I don't like the argument that he should have been Harvey Dent. I just, for whatever reason, I've never been into that, but they they only killed penguin in this. And I think Penguin. I mean, the arc of this film you could argue, I know a lot of people have complained that Batman doesn't get enough screen time in this movie. He doesn't really have an arc in this movie. He's just kind of part of this movie, which I can kind of get that, but you could argue, I guess the Penguin is the arc in this film. And does he really have another way to end this movie than to die? Well, I'll say this, and this might be a little controversial. I think Penguin's death in this movie is a little more effect. It well, it's much more effective than Joker's death in '89. The Penguin story that Tim Burton crafted, in my opinion, it's it's sad. It's very tragic. And I mean, because you get this, you get this this kid who was abandoned by his parents when he was an infant. He grew up in the he grew up in the sewers. He grew he, he became a circus freak, and all he ever wanted was to be accepted by humanity. Now, he got very jaded and went went about it the wrong way. Probably most. I mean, he did absolutely he did. But I mean, <laughs> the end. I mean, the way that Penguin dies, it's tragic. And it's it's kind of a little sad, you know, seeing the the Emperor Penguins kind of they're sort of his pallbearers at the mm-hmm. end of the movie, and they take him into the water. I mean, it's as gross as it is with the stuff coming out of his mouth and stuff and all that. It's kind of sad, and I don't know if it hits you that way, but it, uh, the the older I get, I think the more it hits me that way. Is man, this is this is tragic. So I've never I've never considered it sad. But mm-hmm. I will consider maybe is poetic the right term or just not even touching. It's just it's pretty to look at. Like it's um it's just beautifully shot and it's I guess poetic. Like it, it it's a tragic death, but to me it's someone that deserves that tragic death and almost feels like it shouldn't be as beautiful as it is with the despicable things he's done but again yes he is a tragic figure and he was never treated fairly and you could say that's why he's the way he is but still at some point when he's doing these despicable things it's hard for me to feel sympathy for someone like that but oh yeah and it's also i mean granted he is probably the horniest batman character ever created so that (laughs) So that puts a little bit of a different spin on it, too. I will also say, though, I think they do a fascinating job of making it subtle enough where when you're a kid, you know, I did not know what the heck was going on. And as an adult, you watch this and go, holy crap, like, how did I miss all of this? It's nonstop. It is. And the the line that everyone talks about, which I don't even know if we can say it, 
Um, I don't know what the because it's such a slang term. I don't know if that's considered a curse or not. But the ter- the la- the line of that everyone talks about with the the quote unquote tang, even knowing that the it's in the I film. I think I think we can say poon tang. I think it's okay. <laughs> I don't know what the hell. So, but what's so funny about it is even knowing that it's in the film, you could watch this movie and forget about it completely and miss it because it's so quick and so quiet. <laughs> But we, we the get, flipper trick line, I mean, it's hilarious. The stuff that he... I love Tim Burton for putting that crap in the movie. It's so stupid and so out of nowhere. Oh, my God. There's there's lines about the ointment. There's lines about, <laughs> uh, you know, where, oh, where what he... What does he say? Uh, he puts the button on that girl in a very oh. suggestive manner. Uh, <laughs> Which I don't know how that button stuck. <laughs> no. Um, it... it he said, I'd like to fill her void. That's I mean, I love to fill her void. Like, just so great. I mean, it's good great. Lord. He's so great at being a pervert, too. He is. Yeah. I don't know. Which I guess, I mean, if you spent your whole life in the sewer, it's probably about like spending your life in prison. You probably would be a little bit that way. But it's just, yeah, you're right. As a kid, never thought anything about that stuff. No. As an adult watching it, it's like, oh, my God. And, and one of the best scenes in the film is him biting that guy's nose. Oh, yeah. What? How jarring that must have been seeing it. And I wish I could go back and see that for the first time. Because there's no way anyone saw that coming. It's such a great, shocking scene. And even now, it's just it's just so much fun. Like, again, oh, I... this movie is bonkers. It's, it's hilarious. And I think that's what's so great about the film is it's so insanely funny, like dark funny. But it's mm-hmm. not jokey. It's just, it's a great balance. Like, I mean, yeah, I'm going to say it's a great balance of tone. It is dark, but it is fun. It just feels very. Because yeah, I, I don't know if I'm a big like Tim Burton super fan. So when people say that like this is, this is the most Tim Burton Batman film. Yes, it is. But it's still a Batman film to me. Mm-hmm. It's still a fun movie. Well, and just as I mean, I think he deserved another one. In my personal opinion, um, it's granted, because I I get why they did what they did, and I can't go back in time and see like what the uproar was. So I don't. All right. So while we're on that subject, um, my parents were never like, "You can't watch this movie." No, I never mine had either. that issue. And it, it baffles like... me when I hear people and, you know, it, everybody has a different parenting style and I'm not going to judge any the way anybody parents. But I mean, and I know he probably doesn't mind us saying, but like Brendan Lowe has said many times and he was older than me when I first saw Batman Returns. But, you know, he um, he said before that his parents didn't let him watch Batman Returns. Like he finally watched it with it because his grandmother let him. And it's like, wow, I can't, you know, because my parents never said one word about Batman Returns, which is so interesting. Here's the thing. Batman Returns is definitely, I mean, is it a little quote unquote darker? Well, it's gross and weird, but is it more violent or more inappropriate than Batman 89 for a kid like like we said the sexual innuendo stuff kind of goes over your head so to me that kind of goes out the window and there's plenty of sexual innuendo in the first one and it's just 
different because it's the Joker and not a creepy little penguin guy. I don't know. And there's a lot of violence in the first one. So to me, they're pretty much on equal playing field as far as the inappropriate nature for a kid. If you're going from that perspective. No, I would, I would say I, I just, I just thought it was weird. That's why I didn't enjoy the film as a kid because it just, it wasn't as fun as a kid as Batman 89 was as an adult. I love it because I realized how insanely fun it is <laughs> as an adult. Well, yeah, I mean, the movie is, is a, a little grosser, uh, a little grimier, I would say than Batman 89, but I have always said, I thought they're, they're equally as dark. Yeah. So yeah, I, and I think most of the innuendo stuff will go over your head as a kid. So, like, if you're worried about the the sexual stuff, to me, that's like a, a non-issue for both films. Where the violence, I feel, might be worse in '89. Yeah, I agree. I I, so I fully agree. That's the stuff where I kind of it loses me a little with the uproar. But I don't know. Um, Maybe it was just too much on top of another one where they were like, where is he going to go with the third one? Because it's getting less and less about Batman. Or maybe because this was the focus of the villains, it felt worse to people. I don't know. But yeah. again, I to me, that that isn't that wasn't a, a big deal. It was just, as a kid, I thought this was just a little weirder. And I... Yeah, like, it's tough because I, I do... As a kid, I probably was, and I think I said this, that I was open to Batman Forever because it was more fun as a kid. And I get why they wanted to lean more towards the kid stuff. As an adult, I don't see why. It's it's hard because I'm almost talking out of both sides of my mouth here. Yeah. Um, again, it's hard because now we're adults looking at it from an adult's perspective. And a different time, too, I guess, where maybe if this movie came out now, it'd be less of an issue. Because yeah. Look at the Batman. Like that's pretty damn dark. <laughs> yeah, it is completely. Um, I did want to mention, cause I don't want to, uh, to, to end this conversation without bringing up Michelle Pfeiffer. I mean, we talked briefly about Catwoman, but it's so interesting that this movie is kind of divisive yet. Anytime there's a conversation about the best Catwoman, Michelle Pfeiffer is always at the forefront of that conversation. And I mean, it's such a wild and different take on Selena Kyle and Catwoman. But even here, 30 years later, we're still talking about the performance that she had. And this was my first experience with Michelle Pfeiffer. So she was my first Catwoman. And she's kind of always that standard bearer of who you like. Like when um, Anne Hathaway took on the role or when... Uh, Zoe Kravitz took on the role. They're always being compared to um, to Michelle Pfeiffer, and it's so intriguing because it's not like they're being compared to you know Lee Merriweather or any of the '66 Cat women. They're being compared to Michelle Pfeiffer. So she definitely left an indelible mark on the character, and the way she plays this role is fat to me fascinating because. It's not a dual personality. There's like multiple personalities going on here with this Catwoman. Well, I think what's interesting too is, as far as I know, would you agree this is a take on Catwoman? Oh. This is not. Yeah. But that was never, 
a conversation <laughs> around this film is that he's doing a take on Catwoman. This was Catwoman. Mm-hmm. Which I think goes to the fact that people loved her version of Catwoman so much that they never even questioned whether this was comic accurate or what. It was just this was Catwoman because everyone was so in awe of the performance and just drawn to her so much in this movie, which who can blame anyone because she's amazing in this movie. I mean, I remember, again, I go back to Halloween. Everyone was Catwoman for Halloween that year. Every woman was Catwoman that it was in like some costume contest like i remember women being dressed up like this catwoman and again what a cool take on the catwoman costume that became a staple for catwoman for years to come well i think one thing that that needs to be uh noted here is that at the time people i don't feel like unless you were just a super hardcore comic fan which was not as loud as that community is today about the portrayals of characters. Um, At the time, like the general knowledge of Catwoman was from the 66 show where she was just a villain. Mm -hmm. Like there was no, you know, talk about the, the, the philanthropy or the, the, you know, the, the uh, cat burglar, but that supports causes and stuff like that. Kind of a lot of what we got in like the, the animated series, you you just had a villain in the 66 show and that's what the general audience knew. So I, it might not have been that much of a departure in 92 for people because the general audience just knew of Catwoman as a villain. Now you're getting a little bit of her backstory why she is a villain. Mm-hmm. Whereas today, if you don't have her as a cat burglar, you've you've completely made a mistake. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah, people were just more willing to go with adaptation back then. Yes. People were fine with their takes. And I just think I'm more fascinated by like, it never even came up. Like nobody complained that Penguin wasn't a mob boss in this film. They just complained that he was weird or the goo. Everyone always mentions the goo. Yeah. It wasn't that he wasn't comics accurate. It's that he was just too weird for kids. Yeah, I think for me with Penguin, it's he's still a gang leader because he's the he's the leader of the of the Red Triangle gang. Yeah, so it's close enough that I'm willing to go with it. But I get what you're mm-hmm. saying. He's not like a like a mob boss, like an under underworld yeah. boss. But yeah, um, I think uh, so far as again what we said. I mean, um. Michelle Pfeiffer will always be looked at when you're talking about the best portrayals of Catwoman. And even, I will say again, Danny DeVito. I think everybody was looking at Colin Farrell in the Batman anticipating, okay, how is he going to top Danny DeVito? Which is a tall task. And I think that... And it's a weird question because so different. Yeah, such a completely different version. Yeah. But again, I mean, on screen, you've got, and even, and we're not talking about that movie, but even Paul Dano had to compete with with Jim Carrey. So, I mean, you see these portrayals, I mean, they're still, as much as, as much as we, you know, these films may be divisive or anything like that, I mean, they're still beloved portrayals of, this, of these characters. Well, and I'll also say with this film in particular, if we're looking back on the four films in general, I would say this one 
has improved drastically over time, more so than any of the other four. Because Batman 89 was always loved, so I don't think that can improve as much as this one, where this one was so divisive when it came out. Over time, I think people have really warmed up to this movie and appreciated it for what it is now. Where forever, you could argue, has kind of gone the other way, and Batman and Robin is just what it is. Yeah, well, um, I, I think I think there's a lot of people like myself who have a, a, a really sentimental attachment to Forever, but I don't think there's a lot of those people that will tell you that it's better than Returns. And I think in hindsight, that's why Returns has gained uh, notoriety. And even the people that love Forever, they loved it when they were kids. They still love it now where I think there's not a lot of people that hated forever when it came out, but now found to love it where with this one, I feel like that's very common is most of the time with people. And there are still people that hate this movie just because, which is fine. You're allowed to not like this movie. Again, I didn't like it for years, but for the most part, not too many people liked this movie back in the day and now dislike it for the most part. It's the other way. People that didn't like this as a kid or didn't like this, even when it came out, if they were an adult, they've grown to appreciate this more over time as a film with Batman in it, even if they might not particularly like that Batman is the focal point or the villains get too much credit in this movie or too much time. But again, it's just, I feel like the appreciation for this film has really grown and I love that. And maybe it is the Christmas aspect where we like our seasonal viewing more now, or it's just the circles we belong to that have grown to appreciate this more. That could be where we're a little, um, we're a little, uh, you know, unfairly influenced by the people we talk to, where maybe we're getting a like a different perspective than the general audience. But even so, I think, I think there's just a lot of positive around this movie now. I definitely more so than when it came out. Uh, you know, between the the parent uproar with the kids and, uh, <laughs> um. I'll let you talk on that, but I, I do want to also mention the you got to bring up the Happy Meals for McDonald's because that kind of always comes up with why parents hated this film too was they were buying Happy Meals for their kids and then going to see the movie. Well, I will tell you, there were no Happy Meals from Batman Returns available when I found the film in 95. So you'd be better to talk about that because I, mean, I if, had the toys. I had see, the little... See, I've seen the toys. I've heard the stories about how parents were upset and were riding McDonald's and stuff like that. But I, I didn't experience any of that because I didn't even know there were Happy Meal toys when I finally got to the films. Yeah, it's funny because like, even though I didn't like the movie, I still loved all the toys. And my parents weren't like, "You can't have those toys because you don't like the movie." It it didn't matter. Like it was Batman. Like I had all the toys, and I remember the the the. The thing I remember the most is the the black uh, fry case or whatever it's called, like the French fry holder case. <laughs> like it was it was black with yellow on it, so it, it just mm-hmm. matched the color scheme of Batman, which was just so cool because they don't do stuff like that anymore. And I want to say I had the cups, the big uh, you know reusable plastic cups that you you know you, they wear out so much over time. But I had those from. And that I might be remembering wrong because I feel like I always remember them being from McDonald's, but I think they're actually from Taco Bell. It's been a I've while. He- I've heard about that. I've heard um, – so I've seen pictures of these, and somebody put it really funnily, and I can't remember who said it, but um, they said that the Batman Returns 
cups walked so that the Batman Forever glasses could run. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because well, we, those, yeah, those glasses those are months. still, yeah. yeah. Um, but I remember having the Batman cups too. Yeah. From, from Returns. So again, I've seen those, never had them. Um, I've seen all the toys, super jealous of everybody that got to experience that and get the toys, even if, even if there wasn't uproar about it. Um, but yeah, I think um, one of the last things I, I kind of want to touch on here is because this is a Christmas special, I did want to talk about some of the Christmas aspects of this movie. Um, and we've kind of touched on a little bit of the, like the, the uh, snow and the Batmobile in the snow and stuff like that. But I mean, just the little touches like Gotham Square with that huge Christmas tree, even though it becomes a plot device, you know, to to kill the Ice Queen or the Snow Queen, whatever. What was she called? Was it the Ice Queen? The Ice Princess. Ice Princess. That's right. Um, even though it was used, you know, filled with bats and all that good stuff. And later, Gotham Square looks beautiful mm-hmm. in the in the snow with the huge Christmas tree, all that. Um, there are touches to Danny Elfman's score for this movie, which there's a lot of like copy and paste from Batman 89, but then there's some twists and some spins where he changes it and he puts, there's a little bit of a Christmas Christmas atmosphere in some of the tracks. And I think it's awesome. I think this is a wonderful score. I always listen to pieces of this score around Christmas time. It's right up there with uh, Arkham origins for me. For a, for a really good Batman Christmas score. Uh, so that's absolutely something that I enjoy. Um, I love, I talked about it earlier, but the conversation between Selena and Bruce when they're walking around um, the the Gotham Square when they're kind of, you know, out and about. I think Selena may have been shopping or something like that. But mm-hmm. the conversation between the two of them where you see the department stores in the background while, while they're walking, it just feels like Christmas time. Um, and then at the very end, one of my favorite moments in any Batman movie is, you know, you see a little bit of that relationship between Bruce and Alfred because Bruce, I mean, you know, Alfred says, you know, Merry Christmas, sir. And Batman or Bruce Wayne says back to him, Merry Christmas, Alfred. And even though it's not like there's not a huge, a lot of dialogue there. I love that back and forth between the two of them. And it's, it's fun just to hear that because it feels like now that I watch this movie every year for Christmas time, when I hear Alfred and Bruce tell each other, Merry Christmas, it feels like it's officially Christmas. If that makes any sense. Well, yeah, and to your point also, like a lot of people always say like they put a lot of um a lot of stock into what the final line of a film is. Mm-hmm. Um or the final scene. And to make this a quote unquote Christmas movie, the final line of dialogue is like you said, Merry Christmas, sir, Merry Christmas, Alfred, goodwill towards men and women. And women. Yeah. So there's a Christmas theme on the final line of this film. You don't do that by mistake. This is Tim Burton saying, Hey guys, this is a Christmas movie. If you want to put some stock into that whole final line thing. Um, Mm -hmm. And it ends in the snow on Christmas. I guess it's Christmas day night. Or is it Christmas Eve? I don't even remember. I'm not sure. It's somewhere. It's close. Yeah. Either way, it's, it's very close to the day itself. 
But they go um, to like a Christmas ball, which I I will say almost the ball is almost like the least Christmassy thing of this movie. It's more Halloweeny, isn't it? Right. <laughs> I mean, it's a masquerade <laughs> ball. Yeah. Which it should have been a Christmas party. If you're really getting technical, that should have been a Christmas party, which would have been a lot of fun. Imagine if that was an ugly sweater party. <laughs> that would have been awesome. <laughs> would have been great. But but yeah, I just yeah, I I love the Christmas aspects of this movie. Um just Oh, and one more thing before we wrap here. Um is Penguin's plan the most diabolical Batman villain plan ever? It's one of those things that kind of gets glossed over, doesn't it? Like, you don't really think about it too much. You don't talk about it too much. But, man, yeah, yes. it's pretty messed up. And then the – so this is so – we were talking about this a little bit before we recorded. I watch this every year, but I'll be honest with you. Like, sometimes by the time we get to the third act, I kind of am doing other stuff because I've watched it so many times over the years. I, I will – not that I lose interest, but, like, it just kind of becomes a, like, comfort feeling things so i could do other things i know how it ends i know all this but so this time i've really paid attention to the third act and i'm like wow like this is pretty messed up and the poor guy <laughs> and i do remember this scene but the poor guy is like really penguin like we're gonna kill kids like i think that's a little too much and then <laughs> he just blows them away <laughs> isn't that a little <laughs> no like, it's a lot <laughs> like you want to talk about dark humor. That is some dark ass humor. Like I laughed my butt off at that scene, which I shouldn't, but like, it's so messed up. This point, like they've been doing some pretty heinous stuff. And even at this point, the guy's like, really? Like, isn't this a little, and like you said, yeah, no, it's a lot. Um, <laughs> it's again, dark humor, but yeah, his, his plot to just kidnap all the firstborns of Gotham and, I mean, he's it, he's, it, he's literally he's going to drown children. I mean, yeah, but don't think about it. Don't think about it too much. It's just exactly. I mean, and it's they do kidnap like they do a good job of kind of skating around showing it. Because what does the guy have like a couple of babies, and then it's it's stopped really quickly. Oh yeah, man. Batman puts a stop to it very quickly. But yeah, like you never see any babies in actual harm or anything like that. So luckily, they don't dwell on that too much. Like yes, it's a heinous plot that does not see any harm to any babies, not even really any peril, which is good because you don't want something that dark in this type of movie. But yeah, no, but when you really think about it, yeah, it's messed up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's heinous is a great word because that's what I was going to use. I mean, I think penguin through this plot i mean as much as i said he was sympathetic earlier and things like that he may be the most heinous um cinematic batman villain ever well that's why i was like i wouldn't say i wouldn't say i feel sympathy for the guy <laughs> or i right. wouldn't say it's even i wouldn't even say his death is sad because man at that point like i feel like it's poetic i feel you think that's he, why i kept you think he earned it <laughs> yeah like i think by that point like it's a it's a beautiful you know, and tragic death. And I keep saying poetic because like, yeah, he at least got like a, a, a funeral to an extent with the penguins carrying him to the water. But yeah, man, it's, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's more shot beautifully than I think about the fact that it's sad. It's, I think it's the way it's shot is done very, I can't. I can't think of the word I want to come up with. Like not bittersweet, but it's just very. Oh, symbolic? I can't. Oh, symbolic gosh. is that the word? Like, and, and I'm going to stop it here because I, I, I can keep continuing to bring up things over and over and over again. But I, 
it shouldn't make me laugh, but it does make me laugh now when Penguin is just he like he's on death's door, but he's still trying to attack um Batman. Oh and, yeah. and Shrek. And when he pulls <laughs> he pulls the umbrella out of the out of the base there and he opens it and it's the little like the carousel one. And yeah. <laughs> in that choked voice he goes, I picked the cute one. That makes me laugh every single time. And I don't know why it's kind of morbid, but I don't know. Just the way he says that kills me. So, and now that you're talking about one thing I noticed this time watching it, I don't know if it's just, I never thought about it too much, but for whatever reason, this time watching it, when he brings out that umbrella, straps it to Catwoman, and she's just flying off aimlessly, like just higher and higher. Dude, that hit me this time watching it, like how scary that is. Like yeah. she's just going up, up and away in that thing. And she has nowhere to go but down because there's nothing she can do at that point. For whatever reason, I don't know why that hit me this time where I was like terrified watching it. Yeah, I do feel like um Tim Burton kind of rushed his uh his nine lives there. Like I feel like <laughs> I feel like towards the end of shooting, he was like, how many times have I killed her? Okay, we need to shoot her one, two, three, four times. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I do love that if you count, she had one left. Okay. And you and you do see her at the end of the film, you know, yeah. when they they kind of do the um, the copy of the ending of the first film where you see the bat signal in the sky and you see Batman's silhouette. This time you see Catwoman like come into screen and you see her silhouette. So if you do count, you she does have one left. Unfortunately, we never saw her again in this role. So that kind of um, sucks. The weirdest part for me of this film is her giving herself a bath. That's just, that's the one where it's like, man, like there's a lot of weird stuff in this movie that feels like it just comes out of nowhere. I feel like, like yeah. she just starts like giving herself a cat bath is weird. Um, again, there is a lot of weird stuff in this, but it, some most of the stuff I'm like, yeah, it's weird, but it's fun. That just is like, what? But again, it is what it is in this movie. I I still can laugh at it and have fun with it. Um, I got a one of my favorite lines still to this day, and it's Bruce Wayne. Why the hell are you dressed up like Batman? <laughs> like that's oh. I have to bring that up because it that makes me laugh every time because <laughs> it's so like, wait, what? Yeah, and and of course there's the disappearing eye black in that scene. So that. It's funny. I don't mind treating the eye black like part of the suit and just ignoring it. That never bothered me. I don't care about that. Like as far as the way it's treated in the Dark Knight trilogy and in this, that never bothered me. With this, I just wish they would have cut it so you don't see him without the eye black and the mask on. Which, yeah, I'll be honest, maybe back in the VHS times, you didn't even really catch it because it was quick. But I now. I never caught it until I don't until remember. I was an adult. Yeah, I don't remember. So it's very possible that's because of HD and now because of 4K, it's so obvious. And now people, you know, freeze frame it and save it and all that. So I don't remember how I felt about it back in the day. I don't remember it ever becoming an issue. But now that I black is differently. now that I black is such a big thing, though, it if if you do see that image right before he rips the mask off, it does look weird. Oh, absolutely. It's very jarring now. 
even just watching the film, you could tell clear as day. That's why I think it is more because of the clarity of the way we're watching these things now. It just wasn't meant to be seen that way. Where at the time, Tim Burton was probably like, oh, you know what? It's shadowy enough. The, the quality is not good enough where it's going to be that big of a deal. So he didn't cut it differently. Where all they had to have done was just do a quick cut when his when his his hand comes over the mask instead of doing it right prior to that. But again, the the eye black thing was never an issue to me. It was more just the jarring nature of seeing it now. Yeah, for sure. Well, Joe, I think uh, I think that is a good place to uh, to put a pin in it for our conversation of Batman Returns. Um, again, yeah, I mean, it's just it's become one of those I think beloved movies. Clearly, we watch it every year. It's definitely, it puts me in the Christmas uh, season mood. And, you know, maybe I'm just warped because I love to watch things like Krampus and stuff close to this time of year. And it just, Batman Returns just fits right in there with that. Um, But yeah, I mean, 30 years, I cannot believe it. But it is absolutely, as I've said, it's my favorite uh, look for Batman. Uh, It's my favorite look for Gotham in these two films. And there's just something about this movie that takes me back to Christmas of 95. So I love it. I do. Um, It's not my favorite Batman movie by a long shot, but I do really, really love Batman Returns. Uh, Joe, before we move on, is there any final words for, for the 30th anniversary of Batman Returns, our Christmas special for this year? Well, now that I'm thinking about it, because I do have it on in the background while we're recording, Mm -hmm. um, to, to stick with the Christmas theme, best Yule log ever. I mean, uh, that fireplace, man, it doesn't get much more Christmassy than that. That That is some, that is like a, a glorious fireplace. And there's Bruce no Wayne. way in hell they're not sweating their asses off sitting in front of that fireplace. Yeah, but Bruce Wayne's got a pretty sick fireplace. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I get hot from my little fireplace in my living room. That thing, <laughs> that thing's got to put off some heat. So uh, I, I, I got to give, I got to give a shout out to that fireplace because that, that thing is amazing (laughs) but no i i'm pretty much in the same ballpark as you like this is not my favorite batman movie i i prefer 89 to this one as far as if i'm gonna pop in a batman movie but i love the fact that i probably have watched this more than batman 89 now because i'm guaranteed to watch this at least once a year and this year i've watched it multiple times because we're doing the episode and you know i have it on in the background now I put it on a couple times while things were going on and I do. It's just, it, it really is just a very comforting, uh, albeit weird, a comforting Christmas movie as a Batman fan. It's just a, it's a staple for Batman fans. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, I've had a lot of fun talking about this. That's going to wrap it up for our conversation about Batman returns. Thank you guys. Um, for if you watched if you watched it in, in anticipation for the episode, I'm sure most of you are going to watch it for Christmas season. I hope you enjoyed our thoughts on Batman Returns, and I hope you all are having a wonderful Christmas. But we're not quite ready to leave you yet, yet because we do have the TFR holiday giveaway, and we have that Batman Returns swag. So we're still talking about Batman Returns a little bit, but we have that swag to award. So first of all, everybody who sent in a review and tagged us in it, I want to say thank you so much for doing that. We really appreciate that. It means a lot to us. Um, But we had uh, the choice of of picking four. Um, 
so the the easiest and fairest way I could do it, I put your names in the randomizer that I've been using recently for the Batman the Animated Series episodes. So I'm going to choose your names along with reading your review, and then I will tell you uh, which prize you have won. So the first name out of the randomizer here, and this is for the Batman Returns comic adaptation. This one is Stuart from Guernsey. So Stuart says, great podcast. Eric and Joe have quickly become my second favorite podcast behind Holy Batcast. Holy cow, Stuart. That's, wow, that's humbling. I love the positivity they have. They look for the good rather than the bad in Batman DC media, which is very rare these days. I hope they carry on providing us with podcasts for years to come. Also, they have a massive thumbs up from me for being such big Titans fans. Well, thank you so much for that review, Stuart, and you shall be receiving your copy of the Batman Returns comic adaptation. But Joe, man, that was that was a really good review. Any thoughts on on Stuart's review there? Uh, thank you so much, Stuart. And I, I, I use the word humbling a lot when we're uh, when we're discussing our interaction with the listeners um, and the reviews especially uh it means a lot to us we we really appreciate it and wow uh yeah to be in the same ballpark even as holy badcast means a lot i mean they those guys over there mean a lot to us and um we owe a lot to them they're uh, it's it's nice to even be able to call them guys our friends now and uh so just just to be in the same conversation as them is is great thank you so much Stuart. absolutely for sure thank you thank you Stuart. we appreciate that Okay, next up is our copy of Batman Returns One Dark Christmas Eve, which is a fantastic little Christmas storybook that came out this year. Joe, do you have a copy of this yet? I do have a copy. I have read it. It's a blast. I actually, um, quick uh, shout out to Ryan Lauer. Uh, He covered it on the Batman Book Club, so Mm -hmm. I have read it and listened to the interview he did with the writer um really fun story that uh honestly as stupid as this sounds if i didn't hear that interview i probably wouldn't have read it the proper way um it might say it in the first page though i'm trying to remember now but you're supposed to read it in the tune of god rest ye merry gentlemen gentlemen, right so really fun book i i (laughs) i do recommend reading it um i will tell you it is hard to do that by memory, to, to, to try to read it to the tune. The best thing to do is to put the instrumental version on <laughs> and, and try to read it like that. But anyway, I was it, able to do it. I was able to hum it while I was reading it. it was okay. Fun. Well, you, you've got, you've apparently got more musical ability than I do, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, our copy of one dark Christmas Eve goes to Noe Ruiz. And he even said in his statement here, he said, win or lose, still honest words. Great show, guys, and thank you. Um, And his review says, have we started the fire? Yes, the fire rises is an awesome listen. The guys are great Batman fans who entertain their listeners on every episode. And Eric is a Mopar guy, so what's not to like? (laughs) Well, thank you, Noe. I, I am... I am a Mopar guy. I love my Dodge Challengers. So, yeah. I didn't even know what the hell he was talking about. What the hell is Mopar? Oh, God, Joe. <laughs> Mop- <laughs> Mopar are the parts builders for Dodge vehicles. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Over my head. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Noah. But, I-, I can't help you there. 
But either way, great review. And uh, yeah, uh, any thoughts on his review there, Joe? No, no. Thank you again. Uh, like I said, it, it really means a lot to us. And um, congratulations on winning the copy of uh, that book. Yeah, for sure. Okay. And our next one up is a 4K physical copy of Batman Returns. So they're the recently released 4K. What was it? A couple years ago they put this out, Joe? Oh God, it might even be three years by now. Has it been? Either way, wow. it is a yeah, it is it's... a beautiful copy of the movie. Yes. Um we're very adamant on uh physical <laughs> media here. Yeah. Guys, if you're gonna watch this, put in the disc, please. It is it is beautiful. Um, and it, it really is. Very well done. And this one goes to Ben Loves Comics on Twitter. It's at bbills50. So B-B-I-L-L-S-S-S-S-50. And he says, this show brings Batman to you. I have really enjoyed every episode I have listened to. Being a Batman fan, I feel like I know more about The Dark Knight. This show is interactive, engaging, and so relatable, which is why I love listening. Well, thank you so much, Ben. We we absolutely appreciate that. And I hope that you um, enjoy your 4K copy of Batman Returns. So, uh, th- Joe, uh, any thoughts on Ben's review there before we move on? Um, thank you again, uh, Bill. And uh, you said, I'm sorry, Ben or Bill? Uh, ben. Ben, okay. Um, thank you, Ben. And uh, congratulations. Merry Christmas. Uh, enjoy that. And uh, yeah, if you don't already own that, hopefully uh, you get some use out of that disc. And and man, uh, yeah, just all the 4K copies of these that they remastered a few years ago have been really nice. So so enjoy that. Thank you again for the review. And and you know, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays to to all the winners. Well, we've got one more to give out. Oh, John. I'm sorry, I thought that was it. <laughs> yeah, <I apologize. laughs> we've got one final one to give out. Um, so this is the the Penguin and and the Duck Funko Pop. Oh, from Batman Returns. Yeah, so I just I actually just received this one as a gift myself. It's awesome. Looks fantastic. And this one is going to BJ Shea. Uh, and BJ says, love when the fire rises. You can never get enough Batman talk, and I always look forward to when a new episode of this podcast comes out. Eric and Joe are two classic fans who know their stuff and clearly have a passion that matches my own love when this fire rises. Well, I, I love the theming there, BJ love that, that you put the, the plenty of the fire theme in your review. Um, and I don't know how much we know our stuff, but I appreciate that you think we do. That means a lot to us. So I hope you really enjoy that uh, penguin and the duck Funko pop. It's really cool. Uh, but Joe, any any last thoughts there on BJ's review? No, uh, thank you again. And yeah, if if we uh, if we're coming off like we know what we're talking about, then at least we're tricking people into thinking we know what we do. Um, <laughs> we sure. sound like we know what we're doing, which is nice. But uh, again, humbling. Uh, since we started this, it's been fascinating to me that people have listened and to hear people say that they even anticipate anticipate listening to our show and and look forward to our episodes before they're out not just finding it and saying oh i'll listen to that like it's just again it it just keeps getting um i i just keep becoming more and more grateful for everything that we hear from everybody and so so thank you guys and and really uh you know happy holidays merry christmas to everybody and hopefully uh in the new year we have some more fun stuff coming to you and We'll, we'll keep it going and keep you around. 
and hopefully you guys keep tuning in. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is this is absolutely the reason that we do the TFR holiday giveaway. Um, you guys absolutely don't have to listen, but you do, and it means a lot to us. So uh, we we want to give back, and the holiday season—that's what it's all about. It's about giving. So that's what we want to do. I I wish that we could. I wish that we could give stuff to to every one of you guys that sent in a review. Um, but I mean, this is not a <laughs> this is not a a uh, a a financially driven career here. So we're, we're, (laughs) we're definitely not getting rich doing it, but again, we, we certainly appreciate you guys and, and we want to give a little bit back. So we hope that you guys that have, that have won these prizes, enjoy them. And for all of you guys who, who take the time to listen, thank you so much. I hope you have a wonderful holiday season and you and your families, both Merry Christmas, happy holidays. Um, for you guys that did win real quick, you have 10 days, um, from the date that this publishes, you have 10 days to hit me up uh, on the at TFR Bat Pod, either on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Hit me up, give me your address so we can get these prizes out to you. And uh, yeah, that's that's probably, I think that's the best place to wrap it up for, for the episode, Joe. This has been a ton of fun. Um, I'm in the Christmas spirit. It sounds like you are. I'm ready to go enjoy some some Christmas. Um, but Joe, thank you so much for joining me once again. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find you out there on social media? Uh, thank you for having me again. Um, this has been a lot of fun. Another year comes to an end here. Uh, you know, it's me, me and Eric talk on a daily basis anyway. <laughs> we're, yeah. we're always doing the, the nerdy talk anyway. But man, to, to do the show and actually get to talk, you know, uh, speak to each other as opposed to just texting back and forth. And, and the fact that everyone listens has been, it's, it's so much fun to to interact with you guys and, and to know that people are listening. Um, really uh, at Christmas time, it does mean a lot. And I, again, I just hope we're doing, hope we're doing a good enough job where you guys are, are enjoying it. That's it's, it's so much fun. Uh, and yeah. So, so Eric, thank you for, for doing this. You, you do most of the work. I just come here and, and talk and, and you set up the, the giveaway for everybody. So I, uh, I want to thank you too, on top of uh, the listeners and everything. So uh, that's, that's pretty much it. Merry Christmas, everybody. Um, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd as jforn 11 And you can find me on Facebook as Joe Fornarato, F-O-R-N-A-R-O-T-T-O. And we look forward to to bringing you some more stuff uh, next year. We have we have some fun ideas that we were kind of trying to get to, I guess, at the end of this year, but didn't happen. And maybe pushing some things back a little bit. And uh, we we still got to close out the Batman the Animated Series stuff and decide mm-hmm. what we're going to do next to to kind of fill in the gap there. Uh, so. Not to not to you know ruin anything, but I think we got some fun ideas for next year too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I look forward to starting the new year with some new Batman nerdy talk to dive into. Um, but until we get there, this is probably going to be our final episode of the year. So thank you guys for for coming along on the journey with us. Um, if you'd like to follow my personal accounts, you can find them on Instagram, Twitter, and letterboxed at me carter 89 that's me carter 89 
the show's media feeds or social media feeds can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at TFRBatPod. Once again, if you'd like to send us an email, you can do that at TFRBatPod at gmail.com. We read those emails on the show, as well as if you leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, we do as well. So, for me and Joe, thank you so much for every one of you guys that listen. I hope you have a wonderful Christmas and a wonderful holiday season. Take care of yourselves. Take care of your families. And until next time, make sure you keep that bat signal lit and pointed skyward. Batman was created by Bill Finger and Bob Kane and is the sole property of Warner Brothers Discovery. The Fire Rises, a Batman podcast, is in no way associated with Warner Brothers Discovery or its properties. The thoughts and opinions of the participants of this show are their own and do not represent the companies or organizations that they are associated with. Thank you for listening. Come what may. Merry Christmas, Mr. Wade. Merry Christmas, Alfred. Goodwill toward men. And women. <laughs>